Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. My name is Abbas, and I'm joined again with my co-host Muhammad, uh, the Dream Team, to say. And uh, once again, we are blessed and honoured and overjoyed to have Father Christopher Clohesi with us um, to continue our series uh, titled "The Tales of the Tenth. Um, we've uh, we've got a, a couple of podcasts already out, and this will be the third instalment in our series. And today we're discussing more of the dreams surrounding Ashura and Karbala, because um, I know that in our tradition there's a lot of dreams, you know, from the Prophet who had received, from some of his wives who had received, from uh, Amir al-Mu'minin who had received them. So uh, it would be a nice idea to look at these more closely and discuss maybe lessons we can learn from them and just kind of un- understand them more. So uh, over to you, Father Chris. Good, you? thank you. So <laughs> so as you, as you rightly say, in, in Islamic spirituality, in Islamic theology, dreams play a massive role and there are lots and lots of hadith, plenty of examples, even just in the Shi'i corpus of hadith alone, talking about dreams, warning about dreams. So, for example, there are prayers against dreams that are evil when, when shaitan comes in a dream, mm-hmm. surahs that you, that you recite. But there's also a, a long, lots of hadith from the Prophet himself who say that if people see him in a dream, it's yeah. always him oh, because shaitan is not able to imitate him in any way. Wow. So, so that's quite important because some of the dreams we're going to talk about tonight are, are dreams about him mm. after his death coming to tell people. So I've been working for some for about a year now on, on these dreams, specifically the dreams around Karbala and people who dream about Hussein before his death or at the moment of his death, or even after his death, and and those dreams are either of the prophet or of various angels who come, or or even of creatures like dogs. Hussein wow. himself has dreams about dogs. So so let's begin with these two women who have a dream. Now the problem is we don't know which one of them had the dream because the books of hadith report the same dream for both women. You have this Um al Fadl. So okay. Umar al-Fadl is very important in very early Islam. You know, the two of her sisters married the Prophet. She married one of the Prophet's uncles, Abbas. And, and, and she's known as Lubaba. This is her name in the, in the texts. Maybe, maybe she was the second woman after Khadija to convert to Islam. We're not sure, but maybe she was. And then the second one is Um Ayman. So Um Ayman is known as Baraka. Mm-hmm. And Um Ayman was ma- the Prophet's second mother because she was his nurse. Yeah. She looked after him and she'd been a slave girl from probably from Abyssinia. She, after the death of the Prophet's mother, she nurtured him and brought him up. He released her from slavery. She wouldn't leave him. She stayed with him. And, and she was an, a very old woman eventually serving him. She was present at important moments of his life. And he, the Prophet called her my heavenly woman. Wow. That's how you refer to Umm Ayman. Mm-hmm. So one of these two women, and probably more likely Umm al-Fadl, not Umm Ayman, one of them has this dream, which sounds very bad. It's a dream in which uh, she goes to the Prophet and said, I saw a terrible dream last night. And he says, what is it? And she says, it was terrible. And he said, yes, I know it was terrible. Tell me what it was. And she says, I thought I saw one of your limbs in my lap. Now, that sounds like a terrible dream, and you immediately think this is going to be about Hussein, about Hussein being slaughtered. And the Prophet says that was an excellent dream. You had a wonderful dream because Fatima, God willing, inshallah, is going to give birth to a young boy, and he will be in your lap because you will, you will nurture him, you will suckle him. Okay. The trouble is that in some texts it's al-Hassan, and in other texts it's al-Hussein. Mm-hmm. 
the majority of texts, it's Al-Hussein, who Fatimah gives birth to, and one of these two women, Umm al-Fadl, probably more likely Umm al-Fadl, or Umm Ayman, nurtures him with milk and, and suckles him, and therefore a limb of the Prophet is in her lap. So the Prophet himself interprets this dream in a very positive way, but as you read the dream, it doesn't sound good. It's got a hint of something really bad. That's to see a limb lying in a yeah. lap doesn't sound good. So he's taken the idea of the limb and he's turned it into something beautiful to comfort an obviously distraught woman. Um, and, and as it turns out, she does, she does nurture Al-Hussein or maybe Al-Hassan. Uh, quick question. In your studies, have you, is it possible to have two, a positive and a negative interpretation of the same dream? Oh, I, I think absolutely. I think dreams, the trouble is dreams can be interpreted in many ways. And that's why we have to be very careful. Um, and we'll see now when, when, when Al-Hussein has dreams about these dogs and one dog in particular yeah. among a whole pack, one has to be very careful because later on at Karbala, he points to the particular man and he says, you were that dog in my dream. Mm -hmm. So, so it, it, we have to be careful. <laughs> Stay tuned to find out who that Stay is. Stay tuned to find out who that is. So the best dreams of all, of course, are the, for me the dreams of Umm Salama. So Umm Salama, as we know, one of the Prophet's wives, and she really is held by many people to be after Khadija, his most important wife. Yeah. I say that very carefully, because I know not everyone will agree with me, but by many she is deemed <laughs> to be his most important wife. She is an extraordinary woman. She's a bridge, if you like, between so many different communities. Yeah. And I think every sect just respects her. Yeah, she is. Honestly, I mean. But even more important is that she's an exceptionally trustworthy transmitter of Hadith. Mm. Okay. In both schools. Therefore, therefore, you can trust what Umm Salama says, and she transmits lots of Hadith. Okay. Very important hadith, you know, uh, hadith al-Kissa, the cloak hadith, yeah. and some of the others, she's right there, and mm. that's very important. So, so there are a number of strands about these Karbala dreams, and I think I've named three or four of them. So, the first one is, the Prophet comes to have a siesta in her house, where he often has an afternoon sleep. Yeah. Um, but, but in another strand, he hasn't come to have a siesta, he's come to meet with Jibreel. Okay. who's meeting him in a room that is set aside, obviously, in Umm Salama's house. So, so he tells Umm Salama to guard the door. He doesn't want to be disturbed, either because he's sleeping or because he's meeting with Jibril. However, there is this little boy called Al-Hussein, who is passionately in love with his grandfather and hates the idea of not being with him. And he pushes his way, jumps his way in, <laughs> across the lap of Umm Salama, in through the doorway. And she tries to stop him and she can't stop him. And then one of two things happen. Either the Prophet wakes up crying, woken up by Hussein, mm -hmm. but he's weeping because he's had a vision of Jibreel, who's come to him to predict the death. The, the, the more expansive hadith is that, is that Jibreel is there with the Prophet. So Al-Hussein sees him. Okay. And Jibreel points to Al-Hussein and says to the Prophet, do you love him? And the Prophet says, yes, of course I love him. And Jibril says, your community is going to kill him after you. Your community wow. after you is going to kill him. And then he, he stretches out his wing, Jibril, and he shows the Prophet the land of Karbala. And wow. in some strands, he picks up, Jibril picks up some of the soil and gives it to Muhammad to smell. So he can smell the soil, and, and the Prophet says, this smells of Karbala, uh -huh. of sorrow and affliction, yes. this, this soil. Now, it, this is a very important hadith, specifically because 
Um Salam is the eyewitness to this. It's happening in her house. So this is not a dream she has. This is her witnessing either a dream by the Prophet or a, an event in which she's visited by the angel. Usually Jibreel, but in some texts, the Prophet says, I was visited by an angel who I've never seen before. And in other texts, it's the angel of the rain. So, 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 Mikhail. Mm. And, and I think that's quite important because there, there is this very definite distinction between Jibreel bringing revelation, yeah. wahi, and, and Jibreel bringing a message to the, the prophet which is not divine revelation in that strict sense. And therefore, sometimes we are carefully warned off Jibreel towards the angel of the rain or towards an unknown angel who the prophet says, I've never seen this angel before. So, so this is a this is a, a very important hadith. In the other one, the other strand, the prophet is siestering and he sleeps very badly. So you have the prophet being woken up by Al Hussein, who's who's being being naughty in a way. He's jumping past old Um Salam who can't stop him. In the second strand, you have the prophet actually having a meeting with Jibril. There's a third strand where the prophet is sleeping badly. He's at her house and he keeps waking up two or three times. He wakes up very anxious. And the final time, the third time he wakes up and he's holding soil and he doesn't know where it comes from. And then he tells her, I had a, a visit from an angel who, who, who gave me the soil. But Al-Hussein doesn't play a part in that account. Mm. He's not in the room. In the other accounts, he's actually there. In this account, he's, he's not there. So that's the first set of dreams of Umm Salama, and they're the most common. Um, you will find them in all the books of Hadith, lots and lots of examples. And many of the Islamic historians, Ibn Asakir and others, recount this famous incident where she's guarding the door. For whatever reason, she's asked to guard the door. And she is an eyewitness. So for me, this is crucial that... that this most important hadith, she is the transmitter and she is the eyewitness. Mm. I trust her as a, as a transmitter. And I think, therefore, you know, whatever may have been built up afterwards, because people are kind of add things as you go along, yeah. Yeah. you have this, this strand of narrative in which she is the eyewitness. Do you think the Prophet maybe knew that he was going to get a revelation of some sort? That's why he told Umsalama to be by the door. Well, that was the one. So it, 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 in the one strand, it looks as though he had a prearranged meeting of some okay. sort, or he yeah. knew he was going to meet with Jibril. And, and there are some texts that describe this room, um, kind of an, not an, 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 a room built onto a house, which was his room alone where he used to siesta, but also where he, he used to pray perhaps or meet with Jibreel. And, and she's guarding the door because he doesn't want anyone to disturb. So the prophet is obviously a, a very good host. When people come, he's available. But in this yeah. instance, he wants people stopped at the door. And it's just that Hussein is able to get past Um Salama. But he has to for the story to make sense because then Jibreel points at him yeah. And, and, yeah. and says to the prophet, do you love him? Now, we know the prophet loves him because there are plenty of hadith in which he says these two boys are my two sweet basils these two boys are the joy of my heart yeah. etc so we know he loves him. so you have to ask why is dribble asking these questions it's because he's setting up the scene for a really dramatic event yeah. your son is going to your grandson or they always call him your son is going to be killed by your community mm. your ummah after you yeah and, and that's very traumatic um so so that's the first strand. Then there's a second strand. Um, and, and the second strand is Um Salama who's dreaming. Okay. So, so we're moving away now from this eyewitness event at a house and we're having and, and we're moving away from angels as well. 
we're moving to something else now. And this is Umm Salama, who is dreaming after the death of the Prophet. So this is some years after he has died. And, and he comes to her in his dream looking terrible. He's got dust on his beard and on his head. And his clothes maybe are a little torn. Um, and he's weeping. And he comes to her in a dream to announce that he has just witnessed the death of Hussein. So there is this idea of a prophet who is present at that moment and is a, like Fatima and is a witness to yeah. this event. So, so one of the examples is um, this, this woman called Salma who said, I went to visit Umm Salama. I found her weeping. So I said, why are you, what's making you weep? And she said, I saw the messenger of God in a dream. His head and his beard was covered with dust. And I, yeah, I, I, I translate this dust because, because it also, also talks about Jibril giving him the dust of Karbala, but I've translated it as soil, because dust and soil are two different things. Yeah. It's the soil of Karbala. But in this case, he's covered with dust. And I, Umm Salam, said, what is the matter with you, messenger of God? And he says, a little while ago, I witnessed the killing of Al-Hussein. Wow. It's a very, very simple hadith. There are no details of soil or blood or anything else. It's just a grief-stricken prophet coming to, to, to tell Umm Salama that he is being killed. And, and now, the reason he comes is because Umm Salama has had forewarning herself yeah. of, of Al-Hussein. And in fact, when she hears about the death of Al-Hussein, she runs out into the street and she says, have they really actually done it? She, yeah. she heard they were going to do it. And till the last minute, she never believed they'd go that far. Yeah. And when the news comes to her, she runs out saying, they've actually done it. She, she's horrified by it. So there's a reason why the prophet is linking up with her because she's she's been full, she's got a kind of idea of what's going to happen. Then then there's um, another strand which which is also um, Umm Salama, and she's hearing the voice of the jinn yeah. lamenting Hussein. It's okay. a very it's a very interesting hadith. It it it's not found in many books, but it's Umm Salama after the death of Al Hussein. So, and it's not really part of the dream category, but I've included it because she hears them at night. Okay. And she says, I, I haven't heard the jinn at night except since the night of Ashura, the night. So the jinn, whoever these jinn are, these voices, and it sounds like female jinn. Oh, wow. um, it's in the feminine, in the, so it's female jinn. Wow. Very who interesting are, detail. Yeah, who are lamenting Al-Hussein and what has been done to him. And so I, I, I kept it in because because... It's not angels this time who are coming, it's, it's the jinn who are coming. It's quite interesting with, with Umm Salama, I mean, because growing up, we heard many of the stories that, that you recounted are stories that uh, we hear generally yeah. in lectures and stuff. And she is someone who we've always uh, identified with as, she, okay, she wasn't at Karabala, but she, like, I don't know, she, she had some sort of responsibility or, or she had something, something uh, to do with it. I yeah, mean, yeah. We always hear that story about, um, you know, you talked about the soil. And how uh, the prophet gave her the soil of the land and said, "Keep it with you." It turned red. And then it turned, yeah, it well, turned we're, red. We're or, actually going to hit that because that's quite a big, a big yeah. issue. But but there are lots of hadith in which Umm Salama tries to stop Hussein, not in any kind of determined way. But she says, "Why are you breaking my heart? Why mm. why are you going to Karbala?" So she hears that he's about to leave. Um, and, and start this this journey onwards, and she goes to him and she tries to 
persuade him, please don't, you will destroy me if you go. Mm. So she's obviously plays a massive role in his life. She's sort of a universal grandmother, yeah. in a way, Um Salama. Yeah. She's the person you kind of want to meet and, and cry on her shoulder a little mm. bit. And, and she is distraught by his leaving, um, and he explains to her why, why, um, why he has to go. Um, now, there's no dream involved in that hadith, but I've included that too because because the, the, the hadith we're going to talk about now, that is of the glass vessel yeah. that's attached to it. But in that hadith, Al-Hussein is able to, to show her mystically, in a way, what lies ahead. So, so he says to her, shall I show you the place? He says, my place. Shall I show you my place? Mm-hmm. The bed where I will lie down. In other words, the grave. Shall I show this to you? Wow. Would you like to see this? And Um Salama says, yes. And, and Al-Hussein, God makes it possible that she suddenly is able to see all of this, the land of Karbala stretched out ahead of her um, because he's persuading her, I have to go. Mm-hmm. And he says to her, if I don't go today, I will go tomorrow. And if I don't go tomorrow, I will go the next day. In some texts, if they don't kill me tomorrow, they'll kill me the next, kill me the next day. So there's a sort of a fatalism involved in that. Um, so, so, so you've had, you've had Umm Salama guarding the door, trying to stop a baby boy Hussein rushing in and disturbing the Prophet. You've had the Prophet being visited by one of a number of possible angels, yeah. Jibril or Mikhail or some unnamed angel with this terrible prediction of his community. And, and it's, it's always that wording, your community after you is going to do this. There's, yeah. a, there's a, a strong accusation in the voice <laughs> of the angel that he's naming the people who are going to do this, not strangers, not outsiders or soldiers, but your own community. Yeah. And that's very, very painful. And then you've had this, this strand where Um Salama herself is beginning to have dreams yeah. either of the prophet or, as we'll see in a few moments or next time, uh, of, of something a little more serious than the prophet. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe the next strand we can we can begin it if we've got time. We can. Yeah, we, we've got a couple of minutes left okay. so that we can, so, we can get. So, into. really, the most important of all these dreams is the the famous one, which is called Hadith al Karura which okay. is the hadith of the glass vessel yes. or of the, it's like a test tube, it's a little, <laughs> little glass thing, it's a little glass container. Now, this is a hadith which occurs in lots and lots of books, yeah. but in different ways. So with things added or things taken away, and there's a whole lot of detail about what's in this glass and who's got it, who gives it to her, how many there are, maybe there are two. So it gets a little, a little complex, but the basic story is that that, and, and it overlaps with lots of dream narratives. So in some of her dreams, when the prophet comes to her weeping and saying, I've just witnessed, he then gives her this glass or tells her to go and look oh. at this glass. Thing. So it's not a clear hadith. They're, they're, and I've, I've tried to look at the very earliest one. The very earliest one is very brief and very simple. Mm-hmm. And then it develops for a while in the body of she hadith, and then it dies out again. It kind of disappears. It's being told and it doesn't have to be told again. So, so... So this, this is the hadith that introduces one single vital new idea, and that is a test tube or a glass container or a vial which contains Karbala soil. Mm-hmm. And that soil is going to turn to blood at the moment that Hussein is killed. And that little glass vial is put into the care of Um Salama. And she has it on the day of Ashura because she rushes in three times a day or four times a day. She keeps going to look at this thing. Yeah. All her life, she's watching this. From the moment she receives it, she rushes it. And then on the day of Karbala, she goes in and it's turned 
to blood. So we, we'll we'll look at the we'll look at the variations because the variation is quite interesting, but it's a basic a basic story. I think we're we're, we're coming up to the end of the podcast. So okay, we'll, perhaps we'll, we'll, we'll in a future event we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll go back to the glass vessel because the glass vessel is really the, the most important thing. Of all. Yeah, hopefully we can have we can have you again. Lovely. Okay. Thank you very much to Father Chris Thank for a very enlightening podcast. As usual. It's uh, I, every podcast you do is better than the previous one, oh, yeah, so yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, thank you very much. We look forward to an, another podcast with you hopefully in the future. Uh, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.